talking about parables just one more week. This is it. And then we're going to move into a Christmas series, uh, three-week series, uh, which will be lots of fun. Um, and a parable, we all know what a parable is. Something that is what? Thrown alongside, yes. Thrown alongside. All right, go. And uh, thrown alongside what? What From what to what? Been telling you it's from two C words. From canon <laughs> to curve. All right, so heavenly truth, put in a way that we can understand it down here on earth, uh, is uh, what the idea of parables are. And lots of good stuff in parables. And today in, in our parable, Jesus is again uh, going to share what the kingdom of God is about or what it's like. The kingdom of God. Many of his parables are specifically about the kingdom. And that uh, the kingdom is like the greatest treasure you could ever find. Um, that's what knowing Jesus is all about, is knowing the greatest treasure that you could ever find. And we're in Matthew 13. So if you would go there, Matthew chapter 13, it is the second year of his ministry. They call it the ministry, the year of popularity. It's when everybody wants them some Jesus, you know. He's coming around, he's going to heal somebody they know, maybe heal them, maybe he's going to say something cool or do something crazy. And uh, he's very popular during that second year. Everybody wants to be around Jesus, right? They all want to be around Jesus, mostly to get what they can get out of Jesus, right? Maybe some bread or some loaves or some fish or some miracle that will somehow bless them. Uh, Matthew 13, we're going to get a little running start into our passage. So in, in, uh, Jesus is up around Galilee, okay, around the sea there up near the top. And here's what happens in chapter 13, verse 1. Check this out. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. We've kind of talked about this before. And such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. And while the people stood on the shore, so you got to get that picture again. We, we talked about this parable. Then he told them many things in parables. And in this one, it's a farmer went out to sow seed. And he tell, talks about the four soils, right? The four soils. And um, only one of those soils was good soil. The other three were not very good soil. Rocky roads, weeds, got choked out and uh, just burned up by the, um, the heat. So, and one was good soil, good soil, which was a really important point, right? Because good soil is what seeds grow in. They don't grow in bad soil. And um, so Jesus tells that parable, and then like kind of in a rapid-fire ma manner, he, he shares with them several other uh, parables in this uh, chapter about the kingdom of God, and they're like a farmer. And in verse 24, we're, we're getting a running start into our, our section. So verse 24, it says the kingdom is like a man who planted wheat in the night, uh, or planted wheat, and in the night an enemy came, remember, and he planted seeds of weed. Remember that? Okay, so he tells that parable. And in verse 31, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. And in verse 33, the kingdom is like yeast. And he explains then the, the weed parable. And then it comes to this section that we're going to talk about today. Okay, so you got this flow in Matthew 13 moving to where Jesus is about to share about uh, these three parables that all are like boom, boom, boom. They're real short, but they all kind of fit together really nice. That's what we're going to look at. They're all about the kingdom. One's about a treasure in a field. One's about a fine pearl that a merchant went looking for. And one's about a dragnet 
in a lake or in the sea. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 is where we're going to kind of begin. Are you ready? The kingdom of heaven is like, he says, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought that field. So this is the first of the three. It's actually the 16th parable Jesus tells. If you look at the harmony of all the parables, 16th. Okay, very good. How many did Jesus tell again are in the New Testament? David's not here. 46, yeah, 46, good. Okay, so this is like the 16th of the 46. And uh, it's, it's the longest of these three, or, or no, no, let me ask you this question. What, what is the, the longest parable? Anybody know what the longest parable Jesus tells us? Anybody? Huh? The prodigal son? What else? Give me another one. That's not quite there. Parable of the talents. The talents is the, Matthew 25 uh, is about the longest one. They say it's the longest parable Jesus tells uh, but anyhow, this is one, these, are, these are three really short parables that Jesus tells. And he tells the first one is about a treasure that is hidden. This treasure that's hidden. It's hidden in a field, right? It's like out of sight, but it's findable. It's a treasure. It's out there. Can't see it, right? Most people probably walk by it, never know it's there. But if you're looking for it, you, you'll find it. And so this first one is about this treasure that is hidden, and this treasure is precious, and this treasure is worth uh, like great wealth. It's a great treasure. It's worth a whole lot. Also, the idea of a treasure, this tre hidden treasure, is uh, uh, the idea of the storehouse, uh, the storehouse of God that is filled with precious treasures. Uh, so, but in this parable, it's this hidden treasure, and uh, this this treasure is hidden, it's concealed in a field, and uh, that also means when you see the word field, it also means farm or someone's farm. So a lot of times we think field, we think like weeds and thicket and that kind of thing, but in the Bible, field also means like somebody's farm, where they plant things. So this man, he goes and he finds this treasure, right? This first parable, and what does he do with it? He hides it again, right? Why? It's not his property, right? <laughs> He's like, trespass, no. He's, uh, he's looking for treasures, and he finds this treasure, and it's not his property, so he re-hides the treasure. He hid it again, he concealed it again, and then in his joy, like he's excited, right? Like, could you imagine finding something that, okay, it's not yours yet, but you're going to like bury it again, and you're going to go sell what you got to buy that thing, because you know it's of great uh, worth right? And you really want it. And so in his joy, he's trying to contain his joy. He went out and he sold everything. He like cleaned out the closets and he parted with everything. Like all that he had, he got rid of it all. That's a pretty good treasure, right? It's got to be a pretty decent treasure to do all that. I mean, would you do all that if you found something? Would you like sell out, sell everything? Sell your kids, you know, get rid of, your, get rid of the dog. Sorry, Ginger, you got to go. <laughs> Patches. I'm about ready to sell a dog this past week. No. Uh, so he sells everything and he buys the field and the end. That's the end of the parable. Okay. So um, a, a couple things to note about this parable is, is this treasure hunters, right? Treasure hunters. There's always been treasure hunters, right? Anyone in here a treasure hunter? Barbara is a treasure hunter. Do you have one of those metal detectors? Do you? Where do you go? To the beach? You find 
<laughs> anywhere they'll let you. What's the coolest thing you ever found? Did you say a toe ring or a tongue ring? A toe ring. Like for your toe, yeah. Great worth? Sterling silver. All right. Treasure hunters. So there are treasure hunters back then, and there's treasure hunters now, right? Um, then there's lots of movies about treasure hunting, like the treasure, tre uh, the National Treasure, that show, or the Gold Rush, or Pickers. You know, there's all kinds of shows these days about people looking for treasures, right? Treasure hunting. Um, maybe you've uh, hunted for gems, like gone up to the hills of Arkansas or Boone or wherever, and you found uh, gems, little gems, little stones, or maybe you go hunt shark teeth. Or maybe you've uh, found arrowheads or other things that are out there. Lots of things that people go treasure hunting for. Well, back then they did as well, okay? Uh, lots of battles that happened all over the place. Lots of, like, plunder that was, like, taken from cities and dragged to other places. So there's lots of things to be found. A lot of battles happened. And so people go treasure hunting, looking for cool things, even back then. Um, in ancient days, right? All kinds of stuff. Maybe buried cities where they went looking for treasures. So to find a treasure of worth, of great worth and riches was an awesome thing. I mean, and we do that, and they did that, and we get what that means when Jesus would tell, tell the story, and they understood what Jesus was getting at, that this person found this great treasure worth more than everything that he had. And he goes on to the next parable. So parable number two, verse 45 to 46. Look at it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine or a beautiful pearl, or pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything that he had and he bought that pearl, right? He bought it. Just two little verses, real quick, kind of parable. But again, this is like about the kingdom of heaven. It's about like this merchant looking for fine pearls and he goes out looking searching everywhere right and a merchant was like a trader like he traded things he collected things he sold things he was like a original picker kind of guy and uh, uh, this idea of a merchant is used in revelations the merchants of the earth talks about that in revelations and he finds this one and it's of great value so what does he do he goes away and he sells everything he had again this guy and, and that had to take some time, right? Think about that. If you were to try to sell out everything you had, it would take a little time, right? So he finds his pearl, and he goes, I want that. And he goes back home, wherever he lives, and he puts everything on, like, Facebook uh, classifieds and Craigslist. And, you know, he's got it all out there, and he's trying to just, like, sell everything he's got. That's going to take a little time, isn't it? Take us a little time. And then he finally gets all the money, and he goes and he buys that pearl, that pearl. He sold all that he had to buy this one thing. And Jesus is sharing with them these, these parables. And they're listening to this and they're thinking, okay, you know, it's interesting. And then that's the end of the story. That's the end of the, the parable. It ends right there. It's like, okay, sold everything and he bought the pearl. That's neat. So again, this story would be like kind of real to the disciples, like it is in a way for us, you know, the idea of a, somebody finding a treasure in a field and selling everything and buying it, somebody finding a, of this fine pearl, selling everything and buying it. It's like, you know, um, you know, they're fishermen, these guys. So to them, it would be like, you know, to, to have that kind of riches would be like winning the lottery for like us today. Like we'd be like, 
yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, our ship came in. And so to, to, to be able to find something of great value was as real to them as it is to you and I. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus says the, these words. He says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a good question. How many, how many earthly treasures would you, get, would you give that would equal your soul? How many, how many earthly treasures would add up enough to where you would sell your soul? Jesus is trying to, to help these, these disciples and the, the crowd that's there weigh, count the cost, weigh the difference between the things of this world and the things of God, the things of the kingdom, things of fine treasures. And this merchant, this merchant, he's kind of like struck it rich, this guy, in the parable. And we get what that kind of looks like, and they get what that looks like too. They, they're, they're understanding what this means, that this guy has sold everything because this pearl is worth more than all of it put together. And he goes after it. He like chases after it. So there's these three parables, the one about this treasure hidden in a field. Another one about this fine pearl. The guy sells out everything. And then the third parable is, goes like this. Verse 47 and 48, he goes, once again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake, and it caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore, and they sat down, and they collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad away. Another short little parable, two verses. But this one's a little different. It's still about the kingdom, but it's not about land or a farmer. It's about like this, this body of water and this net being lowered into it. And this net collects all these fish, and then they sort them like a net let down into the lake. And a net like that would have been a large net. When you go fishing, we, you know, you're typically catching like a fish on a hook. Like one at a time, unless you put a couple hooks on there. But this is like a large net with large catch, and it's not one of those hand-tossed ones. This is like a commercial fisherman letting out this big net behind the boat as it pulls away with big pulleys. You know, you see it on TV sometimes. And it's going to catch a large amount of fish, a large amount of fish. And it, the net, the net catches all kinds of fish. And there are lots of different species that it catches, right? That's the difference between lake fishing and ocean fishing. If you've ever fished in a lake or in a pond, you're probably going to catch a couple different species of fish. But if you go fishing in the ocean, you just never know what you're going to pull up. There's just so many. Anybody ever offshore fished here? Yes, some offshore fishing. A lot of bottom fishing? Bottom fishing, yeah? No? Trolling? Pulling it behind a boat? Or down, straight down? Just fishing. Deep sea, deep sea fish. Okay, okay. Cool. So if you throw a line down to the bottom of the ocean, you just never know what you're going to catch. What's, uh, what's some of the things you've caught? What's the coolest fish you ever caught? A snake fish. That's crazy. I had a buddy who took me out in the Gulf in, the Gulf in Florida, and he caught a puffer fish. And it was the coolest thing ever because he said, watch this. I'm like, what are you going to do? And he tickled the belly of the thing, and it blew up like a football. And what do you do with a football? You punt it. 
he punted it back into the ocean. <laughs> so all kinds, in the ocean you catch this all kinds of weird stuff, right? And so there's these two parables, one a, a person with a treasure, and here there's this like big net and it's lowered, it's big catch with all kinds. Uh, you know, some people call this like the gospel net uh, that was lowered down and catches all this fish. And when it's full, like when it was full, the net like gets, becomes alive, you know, because the net starts moving and shaking. The coolest, coolest fishing experience I had was in Haiti. Um, was in Haiti, we got, there was like a bunch of us, probably about 12 of us, we get into this little wooden boat, this tiny little boat that didn't look like three or four people should be in it. But there were a dozen of us, it's a wooden boat, and they push off, and we're going to go fishing. They're going to take me fishing, and I'm thinking, this is, this is cool. It was in a really rough place where we kind of were, but it was disgustingly nasty. But we push off the shore, and I'm wondering, I don't see any poles or anything. How, how are we going to go fishing? And these guys take off their shirts, and they jump in the water, and they bring a net with them, and they start dragging it around, like in a big circle. And I'm going, well, this is pretty cool. This is nuts. And uh, they, they pull it in, and they got all these little bitty fish. They're about like this big, like little sardines. And that was their, their way of fishing, coolest uh, fishing expedition I ever went on. It was crazy. It was neat. neat. But so this net's alive, like it's full and it's alive, and the fishermen pull it in, and they drag it onto the shore or onto the beach, and, uh, and so they're dragging it, right? It takes a lot of strength, a lot of muscle to pull that thing offshore. And then they sat down, these fishermen in this story, and they carefully examined the fish, okay? And they collect the good ones in baskets, and the bad ones they throw away. And Jesus is telling the story. Kind of remember like the weed and the wheats, or the wheat and the weed parable, there's some good and some bad, and then there's this separating this that is happening, like the sorting of good and bad. And that's what's happening in this story. And notice that the fish are not bad fish. They're not like rotten or dead fish. It's more like the fish are just unfit. They're not, they don't live up to the, the, the level or the standard of keeping them. They're, they're unfit, or they're unworthy, or they're too small, or maybe like in Leviticus 11, they're just unclean. They're not the kind of fish that they can keep. And so he wraps up these parables with some concluding thoughts, and he's going to move on from there. Jesus is going to leave that place and go somewhere else. So in verse 49 and 50, he says, remember these three parables, the, the treasure in the field, the, the fine pearls, and this net being lowered all kind of together. He says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and they will separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Great lamenting, great crying, great sorrow, the grinding of teeth. You know, like when you're so mad, you just grind your teeth. They're so upset. And he clarifies uh, kind of what these stories are about. It says the end of the age. This is how it will be at the end of the age. Uh, and he says the angels are going to come down. They're going to be like from heaven. They're going to come down and they're going to sort the wicked from the righteous. And they're going to cast out the wicked. And there's a blazing furnace and there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. And it's a reference to like this eternal pain and suffering and this intense regret that we didn't make 
the right choice when it came to who God is and, and how we're living our lives. In Matthew chapter 25, 32, Jesus says this, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And so they've, they've heard this kind of truth before about the end and what that will be like. And they're going to hear it again as Jesus continues to teach in the future. But if there's any confusion about the end or, or the sorting process, there shouldn't be now. Okay? They should begin to understand that there is going to come an end time where God is going to return, Jesus is going to return, and there's going to be a separating or a sorting of sheep from goats or good from bad. And so Jesus says in verse 51, just to make sure, he says these words, have you understood all these things? You know, he's like, okay, I just shared a bunch of parables, lots of truth, but these last three, like the, the, the great treasure, the pearl, and this net, do you, Jesus says, do you guys understand what I'm getting at? Do you understand these things? And you can almost imagine Jesus being like, man, I hope they get it. I hope they understand. You know, I hope they get it. It's like, it's like, you know, working with teenagers. And you ask them to draw something. And you're like, man, I, I hope they draw. I hope what they draw is like close to what I'm asking them to draw. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it's not. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> right. And that's Jesus. You know, he's like, oh, man, I hope, they, I hope they answer this right. I hope they get this. And they say, yes, yeah, we understand. Jesus, we get it, we get it. And we all say, yeah, that's awesome. We, they get it. That's so cool. Uh, and, and what's really cool is, is uh, if they get it, um, well, what exactly do they get is really the question. Is, is they say they get it, but what do they really get? You know, it's like your mom asking you if you understand what she just told you, and you're like, yeah, mom, I get it, I understand, and... Do they understand, Trace? No. They didn't hear a word you said. So it's safe to say that the, these, these disciples, because Jesus is clearly like with the disciples at this time, it's, it's safe to say that they're understanding some eternal truth or beginning to understand about the kingdom. And, and Jesus is counting on them understanding it. You know, he's counting on these guys getting truth about the kingdom because He's going to leave and they're going to have to go on and share this message. And he's hoping that they get it not on a surface level, but on a deeper level. You know, they, they, that's what he's hoping. And it's neat to note that by getting it, by getting it, what's happening is they're, they're becoming more than disciples. By getting it, they're becoming more than just followers because by getting it, they are becoming one day teachers. They're going to have to teach this. And Jesus is counting on them getting it so that they can become like Jesus and teach. You know, that's, that's huge, right? Because if, we're, if you're a disciple, it's more about than just learning things. At some point, God is going to hold us accountable for sharing what we learned. You know, teaching other people, letting other people know what we have learned. And that's what Jesus is hoping they get. And then Jesus says, well, let's take this one more step. In verse 42, he says to them, therefore, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like an owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasure as well as old. 
And so he's going to give them one more piece of treasure here before they leave. And there's this like high calling, right, for every teacher of the law, right, who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. There's a responsibility, right, that if you're a person who has become a disciple of Jesus, we have a responsibility then to share what we've learned, right? And that, that's, that's not just those who are teachers of the law or scribes in this case, but that's anyone who becomes a disciple. That's all of us. That's us. If we're a disciple of Jesus, we have a responsibility. We become a pupil. We become a student of the gospel. And then we become teachers of it. We share what we've learned with the world, with people. That's what God's expecting us to do, right? Share it with other people. And there's a fourth parable right there. Did you see that fourth parable that he shares? Uh, It's like 16 words long. Real short. And it's in verse 52 where he says, has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like, and he shares this little parable, is like the owner of a house, right? The owner of a house, the kingdom of heaven, like this owner of a house who brings out of the storeroom new treasures as well as old treasures. And so there's this responsibility or this reflection of a responsibility of a teacher, one who has access to things that others don't, right? And when you give your life to Christ and you come in, God reveals and shares with us truth in his word and in your heart that he wants you to share with other people. There's this responsibility that that has to happen, that has to move forward. So there's a homeowner who is the head of the household and he is to bring out or he's to produce, like bring forth from the storehouse where precious things are kept, new things, Treasures and nuggets from heaven, as well as old things from ancient days, like the law and the prophets and the commandments. And so it's a reference to the the New Testament and the Old Testament being shared with people. And what Jesus is doing is he's preparing them to not just be students, he's preparing them to be teachers. Because that's what overachieving disciples do. They don't stay where they're at, you know? They don't stay where they're at. They're always moving forward. They're always growing. They're always wanting to take the next step with the Lord. And so he shares these three quick parables, right? And we're going to share, uh, just talk about a few applications. So the, the first one is this treasure in a field that's hidden. The second one is a merchant in a pearl who sells everything to buy that pearl. And the third one is this net that's lowered and this great catch of fish. So what is Jesus getting at? Like, what does this mean to us? Um, that's, that's a good question, isn't it? There's a, lot in, there's a lot there in these parables, in this whole chapter, in, in the parables that Jesus has been sharing. But let me share a couple things uh, with you that they're about. Number one, it's this, something, something is hidden. Okay, that's very obvious, right, Captain? Obvious, very obvious. Something is hidden, and what it is is of great value. It's great value, this thing that is hidden, and what Jesus is trying to help us understand is we need to keep our eyes open, right? That kingdom truth has to be searched for. It's, it's, it isn't just going to drop in your lap. It's, it's truth that must be searched for. It's like hiding in plain sight, you might say. And it's possible, like, for us to see it, like those of us who have been in the church a long time, to see it but not really perceive it, or to hear it but not really understand it. Like, you could read it, you could study it, you could know it, you could grow up with it all your life and still not really get it. 
So God has provided this great treasure, right? It's, great tre- it's like a, a great treasure in a field or a fine pearl. And the kingdom of God is very near, right? It's right here in front of us. He's, he's right here with us, right? He dwelt for a while among us. His spirit has been freely given to anyone. His word is so very close. It's hidden, but very findable. Very findable and of great value. So one thing that Jesus is trying to share is that the treasures of heaven are hidden, are hidden. They're hidden, right? Something hidden. The second thing is this. There's something searched for. Because it's hidden, we have to search for it. We have to go looking, right? You've ever seen those pages um, in, a, in, in, a, in a book where you, it's a picture of all these things and there's all these hidden objects in it. And you have to look for it, like this picture here. I think I got one up there. So there's all these hidden objects. If you can kind of see that. <coughs> a candle, um, cameras, all kinds of crazy stuff. So they're there, but if you just look at the picture, you never see it. But if you look closer, you begin to see these, these objects that are hidden in this picture, right? That's the idea here, that truth is there. It's all around us, but you're going to need to search for it. You're going to, want to, you're going to need to want to find it. It's available to anyone who wants it, but you're going to need to seek it. Remember, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, right? Seek first his kingdom. The idea that the man went and found this treasure in this field implies that he went looking for it, right? It didn't say he stumbled upon it or it fell in his lap. It says he went searching. He went looking. He went like cave digging, dirt digging, uh, perhaps, you know, river panting or, or, yeah, whatever they do that, you know, that panning, panning, panning thing, panning, yeah. Uh, So he went looking for it. He had to put out some effort to look for this thing. And the merchant went, it says, searching for a pearl. He went looking for it. He put effort into it, right? Looking for this pearl, the greatest pearls on the earth. And even the net, when it was lowered, had to find the fish. Had to go looking for the fish, in a sense. So effort has to be made. The treasure had to be looked for, the pearl had to be searched for long and hard, and the fishermen then had to work hard at pulling the net in to, to get the fish. Kind of like uh, survivor, uh, the survivor idea of the hidden immunity idol, you know, or the, that necklace. You, it's not going to just be out in the open. You have to go looking for it. You have to search for it. So it's something hidden, it's something searched for, and number three, it's a treasure worth selling out for to sell out for. Right? It's worth that. It's, uh, we note in the parable that, that the, the first two parables, that the guys sold everything they had. I mean, it was that great of a, a treasure that they sold all that they had. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. In other words, Jesus calls us to sell out, to, to give up everything, to follow him. It involves uh, counting the cost. It involves making a sacrifice. It involves these things, trading in what's in your hand for what's in God's hand. Right? Job said this in Job 28, if you read through that chapter, he says, the mines of the world, silver, gold, gems, rubies, jasper, iron, copper, sapphire, can be found with careful search. But where can God's wisdom be found? Where on the earth can you find God's wisdom? Only in a relationship with God. And he says that is worth selling out for. 
That is worth selling up for. Number four, the day of sorting is near. You think about these parables. You think about the one with the fish and the net. In the first two parables, a man and a merchant, they had to choose. They had to choose between, like, or prioritize what's important, all the things that I've collected with my life, in my life, or this treasure, or this pearl. And they had to make some decisions. In the parable of the net, the good and the bad were sorted, like two piles, right? Two piles, two paths, two roads, two places, two final destinations, right? The day of sorting is near, and sorting results in a destination, and that day is coming. There is a place of darkness and death and destruction, eternal fire, where there's, the parable says, weeping and gnashing of teeth. We call that place hell, right? We call it hell, because many will be sorted and filed into an awful place called hell, and the road is wide, and many walk it because they ignore Jesus, they ignore his truth, they ignore his wisdom, and they ignore the creator of the universe. And then there's a place of hope and healing and salvation, right? Eternal life, a joy that fills our soul. We call that place heaven, and few find it. Those who will remain faithful to the very end. And it's a narrow road, and only a handful will walk it. And soon and very, very soon, the trumpet sound will happen, right? And the angels will come. They'll, they'll come from heaven. They'll be lowered from heaven, and they will begin to sort. And a time as you and I know it will come to an end, and it'll be over. And the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man found, and when he found it, he buried it again. He went and sold everything he had to get that treasure. And he said again, the kingdom of heaven is like this merchant searching for pearls. And when he found one, he sold everything that he had to get that pearl. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like this net being lowered into the lake or into the sea, and it catches all kinds of fish. And then the fishermen sort them one by one, the good from the bad. The kingdom of heaven is like these things. The greatest treasure that you will ever find is Jesus. And the question is, have you, found, have you found him? Have you found Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. <clears throat> We're grateful, God, that you love us and that you're patient with us, Lord, that you, that you wait on us, that you're there for us, that you're doing everything that you can do to draw us close, but you allow us, you allow us, God, to, to learn and to get it and to make decisions that, that will put you first in our life. Now, Father, I pray that as we think about the parables that Jesus taught, especially these, these ones about the kingdom of God and what it's like, what it means to give our life to you, to sell out, to turn from the world and walk to you, to, to know that one day there will be a sorting period, there will be a sorting moment where people will be sorted based on the decisions that they made and the priorities they kept. God, help us to, to learn from what Jesus is sharing with us. Help us to make decisions that will bring honor and glory to you. And we love you and we give you thanks, Father, for all that you mean to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.